Welcome to Mo's Dozen and the Four Podmen. Once again, by me and Noel, your two co-hosts, where we never forget talc, we never forget fresh socks and jocks, we never forget movies, we never, well, we do actually forget movies and all that kind of stuff, but we do talk professional wrestling and sports entertainment here today, guys. Welcome to the show. Um, once again, as always, brought to you by the Dynamo Podcast Network, your number one network for absolutely everything in the world of entertainment and sports. Um, please do like and subscribe. And be sure to our favorite podcasting uh, sites as well, from Spotify to Anchor to Apple Podcasts and everything in between. Today, we brought you something a little bit different, um, a little bit similar to what we do on other, other podcasts on the network. And uh, we had this idea where we would try really, really hard to bring you uh, a special series that we're going to do, our, our top 10 wrestlers from different genres. So today we're starting with the 80s. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to work, work our way through the 90s and the 90s and the 10s and today even. Um, but today it is the 80s and you will see that nice fluorescent lighting that we have on in the background. We've both got nice pink glows off our face. No, we have not been sunburned. It is October, it is the month of seven, so it's freezing cold over here in Ireland as we speak. But uh, we are warm. We've got that, uh, we've got that sexy vibe that we're bringing today. And uh, Noel, this is going to be fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is um, this is really a decade of pro wrestling, isn't it? The eighties. It's, it's it's a golden era, really, for the it's for the, the best, business. Really, yeah. Um, well, one of the best, yeah. Yeah, and and such a such a difficult task to pick a top ten. Um, when you kind of think, are we about gonna it, are we gonna pussy out? Are we gonna do it in no particular order because it was so difficult? I mean, we probably had a short list of about thirty to forty guys, and to wind it down to ten was extremely difficult for both of us. So are we going to do it in any particular order or? No, I, th I think it would be hard to put them in any order apart from the man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's, I think if he's not number one on most people's lists, um, we have a problem really, don't we? Um, but I think yeah. in no particular order, probably run down through our 10, what we'll do is bounce one on one, like a tennis game, maybe do it that way. Cause I know there's probably going to be a bit of crossover and a bit oh, of yeah. debate and a bit neither of debate. Us know. Neither of us know who we've chosen. So yeah. that is 100% legitimate. Yeah. We didn't share our, uh, our top 10 today in any way, shape yeah. or form. So this, this is a proper blind bag job. We're yeah. calling it in the ring like they did in the eighties. That's what Absolutely, we're doing. Yeah. Going back old school. But um, yeah. I suppose we should throw in a few notable mentions at the end as well, because there's a lot of people, I had to leave off my list that I tried to crowbar in in one way or another that I couldn't. Um, yeah, yeah. 100%. But they should definitely be mentioned. They had a big part to play in the 80s. And it could change next week for us as well. So that's why we should honorably <laughs> mention them. <laughs> well, that was that was the difficulty as well in approaching this because there was guys who started out in the 80s, um, but they may have only spent maybe two, three, four years there. So they didn't really yeah. leave that imprint in the 80s. And then if most of their exactly. career is through the 90s, you know, you're doing them a disservice, including them in the 80s, but it's still hard exactly. to leave them out, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was a tough I was the same. There's going to be some surprises for me as well. There's going to be certain people that aren't mentioned and they'll be like, what? Mm. Well, yeah. Because they know me. <laughs> I, I, so, I, yeah. came, I came from the approach of the guys that I watched and grew up on. 
um, as, a, as opposed to guys that won the most titles or, you know, had the biggest runs or any of that kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was mainly guys that struck a chord with me in the 80s when I was watching wrestling. Um, well, like I said, for me, it was a little bit different as well because obviously, you know, 89 was my first, you know, mania as such. And even at that, you know, if I was to, I'd be lying if I said I remembered it, you know, move for move, hold for hold, you know, it was mm. more the next year you know, being, you know, seven years old and you're like, okay, now I understand what's going on with, with Warrior and Hogan. Um, mm. But the 80s is when I definitely remembered professional wrestling being on the telly. So I remembered some of the characters by look, but, you know, mm. so, uh, and as you said, like we were still afforded uh, being able to see a lot of that NWA stuff from UTV and stuff. So I definitely yeah. remembered some of these characters. Mm. So, um yeah, let's let's jump into it, Noel. Why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with with, with number ten? Yeah, it, it, it's not necessarily number ten because these are to me. No, these, we're going to say we're going to say ten ones. just so so we have a count, really, some sort of a countdown, some sort of a chronological. Really match, so yeah. <laughs> well, at number ten, but definitely not number ten. You got to go with the rowdy one, don't you, Roddy Piper? Has to be in there, man. Who came? I had him the, higher. The, yeah. the argument starts already. I had him higher. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I I don't have him at number ten. He's number one on my no. list, but I'm just working down through it. But definitely higher. Yeah. Okay. But a but a man who came through the whole territory system, a man who redefined promo Piper's pit, everything that he did was absolutely instrumental in the WrestleManias in the early days, from one to two, and all the way through to three, where he forced kind of was in, in in instrumental in bringing Andre and Hogan together. If we remember those great promos in Piper's Pits and, mm-hmm. you know, Andre grabbing yeah. Hogan and ripping the chain off his neck and Hogan saying yes to the match and all that kind of thing. But even, even his own matches in there and stuff like that, an absolutely outstanding wrestler and has to be in anyone's top 10 for the 80s. Well, yeah, the, you know, the original promo guy really, you know, especially as a heel. And I mean, talk mm-hmm. about real heat. This, yeah. this is your guy, you know, obviously yeah. spent a lot of time down in, uh, with Don Owens, obviously, um, in the NWA territories uh, mm-hmm. in Northwest, but then really kind of made his name going to, to, to the Carolinas and working with the likes of Steamboat and Flair. Um, unbelievable. Jack and, uh, I mean, anyone that knows me, uh, anyone that knows me knows that, you know, even with Valentine, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? The stuff he done with Valentine was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyone that knows me knows he's probably going to make an appearance again later in the show. Yeah. So well, he's well, my um, he's next. My, people know I collect the buddies now. He's my next yeah. custom buddy to get made in the kilt with the pink uh, with the blue knee pads and all. I'm actually well, I'll probably up. have to. Uh, you'll probably have to order two. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I have. I also have coming this week. I have the the Mister T Piper double pack figures. So yeah, big 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 fan. That's on the way as well for yeah. me. The awesome. box and the, yeah. the 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 kilt the the flannel um, yeah. shorts yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I went I went with again not number ten but in my top ten I went with Ricky Steamboat um nice. you know people are gonna say well why is he so you know why is he so high up there you know why is he so low again it's it's a top ten not not you know mm. number ten to one it's not a ranking. Look, what can you say about Ricky Steamboat? That hasn't already been said. I mean, you know, probably the original, um, the original kind of workhorse, so to speak, 
in in, in the NWA and especially in the Carolinas again, mm. coming up under, you know, I suppose tutelage in a way of Ric Flair. You know what I mean? He was the yin to the yang. Um, you want to look at the best series of matches of all time. I still think hands down that he, him and Flair's are probably the greatest matches uh, of all time. I doubt you would disagree with me on that. No, um, absolutely. You know, still his match with Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3 is still talked about to this day as one of the greatest WrestleMania matches, and it's hard to argue. Um, the, the epitome of the white meat good guy babyface and took the craft so, so incredibly uh, serious that, like, he would even, you know, rub the rub the towel, the old towel trick on his head to give himself, you know, kind of uh, welts and stuff so he got home and his family actually thought he was in a physical fight so yeah. um, his work even with Jake the Snake Roberts that DDT on the outside I mean good lord kayfabe was real wasn't it back then so yeah Ricky Ricky Steamboat makes my list it's it's impossible not to put him in I, I've mentioned it before on our episodes the man who made me freeze in time at Mania 25 with that cross body off the top rope and just think about what year that was. And we're revering about this man now from the 80s. Just yep. have a think about yep. that, you know. Yeah, unbelievable. Incredible. The run with Savage was unbelievable. All the matches he had, the, the relationship with George the Animal Steel. Incredible. Incredible worker. Yep. And definitely a huge part in the success of the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. For sure. For sure. And as you can tell, was on my list as well. <laughs> yes. Um, this one I'm going to steal from you because I know you would want to have dropped this one. Um, Harley Race. Yeah. Absolute wrestling royalty. When you talk about, we've gone through a week recently of the king and the queens of WWE. When we talk about a king of wrestling, we talk about King Harley Race. What an absolute man. What an absolute, a man who stood for everything and made pro wrestling as real as it could be. Yeah, I mean, what can I add to Harley Race? Obviously, um, you know, while he was while he was still with us, was a friend of the network, and uh, like I say, an absolute honor to not just have you know had him as a guest on a podcast, but to get to know him and his son, um, and and some of the stuff I've always said it, some of the stuff they've done for me in the past will will never be forgotten. You know, even though he wasn't in the best of health at that time, he was still very coherent and still all there, you know. Um never got to have that beer with him unfortunately, which that that, that old school that that old school raspy voice. Incredible. Oh, well I gotta tell you, Dino, uh, <laughs> very happy to be here today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. just yeah, I mean you know he again took took one of my favorite wrestlers who you know will be making an appearance later under his wing. Uh, was like a father figure and yeah, just rest in peace. But again, one of the uh, the epitome of what a world heavyweight champion should be in the world of professional wrestling, in my opinion. In in every facet. Yeah, in every yeah. facet. In yeah. the ring, out of the ring, just a if man's it, man, right? I mean, if it, if it's not real to those guys, how can it be real to us? If you asked uh, if you asked JBL who was a real wrestling god, I guarantee he's telling you Harley Race. You know, mm. yeah, absolutely. So. Um, okay, well, I'll go with someone that I know is going to be on your list as well. I've went with a uh, Dusty Rhodes. 
Absolutely. Let me tell you something, Daddy. Um, <laughs> one, one of my Find and dine with kings and queens. I've slept in alleys and pork and beans. You know what I mean? This guy was just, again, someone someone probably that I didn't appreciate until I got into the business. Do you know what I mean? Um, because when I was watching, he would have been the polka dot wearing, you know, kind of dancing, jive talking, just fat guy. It's the way I saw him, you know what I mean? It's with that far. Mm. <laughs> was there. I was like, what? Who put yeah. these two together? What's the story? Yeah. These don't look right. But um, good Lord, when you go back and look at Dusty's body of work and, and the influence that he had inside and outside of the ring in terms of his book and what he'd done in Florida with Florida Championship Wrestling as well. Um, you look at his legacy living on through his, you know, through his boys. It's just incredible. But most importantly, like, three-time three world champion and again a real heavyweight wrestling champion you know a legit stigma he could take the piss but he could turn it on when it needed to be I mean that bionic elbow it's just fantastic isn't it you know like he's, he's he was second most recognizable athlete only to Muhammad Ali <laughs> his, um, his timing of knowing when it was time to throw down and when it was time to be showman was just incredible. And the blend of the two was incredible to watch. And yeah. it was only the other day I was looking at his Hall of Fame speech and he spoke about how he went those one-hour matches. He did seven of them on a trot in one week and he said he could only do it with the greatest of all time, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And um, Unbelievable. That's, an, that's, a, that's a, a testament to the man. When they talk about this man being out of shape and carrying weight and big and stuff like that, he regularly went one-hour matches bell to bell. And we're not talking about sitting around and sitting on sit holes. This guy could go till sweat was pouring out of him. His cardio, his cardio was fantastic. You know what I mean? And he he, he held his weight well. You know what I mean? He mm. he had a look. He had he had an just oozed charisma. I mean, again, one of the best talkers of all time. Mm. But like you say, he could do the you know, the, the sweet jive talking promo of being the son of a plumber yeah. and all that. But then he could get very serious when he needed to be. Yeah, he, um, he, he never he never made the hokey stuff feel hokey. Never. You know, like if you've seen never. someone else doing that bionic elbow, you think, ah, you know what I mean? But I, I also think, I mean, if you want to <clears> check <throat> out what Dusty Rhodes meant to me, go back and look at our episode from a few weeks ago with Magnum TA. I was engrossed in wrestling at the time when the, the Cold War, the Reagan Gorbachev time was at its peak. And Dusty yes. Rhodes, to me, represent everything that meant freedom. And even, yeah. the, you know, when he got together with Nikita and the superpowers and all the stuff he did. and that's a, That was a, you know? it's the anniversary as we record right now, mm. this day, you know, back, what, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, Dusty Rhodes. So what, what have you, who have you got next? Next up, I'm gonna put in the Road Warriors because I knew you'd be a cheating bastard with this. You see, I I, I decided that I was gonna leave the tag teams separate, but okay, okay. Yeah. I knew I knew you were gonna throw me a curveball. Well, we can definitely do a tag teams version of it as well. But I put in the yeah. Road Warriors because the Road Warriors to me, 80s wrestling was when men were men, and the Road Warriors epitomized that both in their ring work, in their promos in their storylines and everything that they put together, you knew these were two absolute badasses and they have to make the list for 80s wrestlers without a shadow of a doubt. No, well, one, I don't disagree one, with that. One tag team gold in every place that they went, 
um, and were just incredible. Yeah, no, they really were. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with anything you've said. I mean, if someone said that they're the best tag team of all time, tag team of all time, you know, you couldn't tell them that they're wrong. Um, you know, if, if we were doing tag teams, then I'd have had both of the Bulldogs in there and the Heart Foundation and all that. Oh, yeah. But I was like, I'm, I'm count- Mine is going to be singles anyway. But yeah, yeah, we can. We can do a tag team one in the 80s because, mm. I mean, that was the year of the tag team, right? Yeah. Or the decade of the tag team. Mm. Um, I went with a fellow pod man of ours is going to be very happy with my next pick. Um, shout out to Jay Kennedy, who you probably haven't seen in a while. But I went with uh, Rick Rude. And the reason I went with Rick Rude is not only did he have a a body that made both men and women swim, <laughs> he was uh, he was just an absolutely incredible wrestler. I mean, I know you could say he's kind of in both genres, the 90s as well, because a lot of his great work in the 90s came in the WCW side where you watched him work with the likes of Austin and Steamboat and uh, Dustin Runnels. Um, but in the 80s, when you look at his stuff that he'd done down south with the likes of Jerry Lawler, um, you know, he had an amazing feud in Memphis with Lawler, if you if you can recall that. Yeah. Um, and he had Percy Pringle as his manager at one point, which is, mm-hmm. of course, the late, great uh, Paul Bear. Um, he was just, man, he, he went to WWE then, and obviously he was definitely up there as another a, a semi-main carter do you know mm. what i mean mm. um he, again he was that workers wrestler that could work with anybody that could make a star just look at what he done with the warrior i mean the warrior had his best matches running matches mm. with uh with rick rude so for me I, i'd be i'd be absolutely doing an injustice to myself and to the sport if i didn't have uh, rick rude in my in my top 10 absolutely my first memories of rick rude would have been with the the, the Midnight Express when he was tagging sure. with Manny Fernandez Paul Jones sure. was their manager and I always yeah. remember his I always remember his promos and he'd, he'd talk and he'd be sincere in the way he talked and he'd go tell him Paul <laughs> you know and yeah. I just remember yeah. those all promos and of course shout out to Manny Fernandez what an absolute baller of a wrestler unreal man so underrated I don't even know whether it's underrated or, or forgotten mm. but it's probably a blend of the two yeah. but I mean he was he, he was he was uh, he was Ric Flair in his own right, wasn't he? There's not um, there's not many of our viewers would remember the Midnight Express with Paul Jones, Manny Fernandez, and Rick Rude. But that's my first memories of Rick Rude. Go back and look at some of the promos. What is what we will say, especially when you look at it on, on some of Lawler TV, the Memphis TV. When you look at it down there, and uh, you look at it in, um, I think it was Mid South as well, didn't they? They they yeah. done a run because they would have kind of been all around there in the Carolinas, but they done a lot yeah. of stuff in Memphis as well. Yeah. Um. Oh. Just a thing of beauty. And, um, and stood, out, stood out at a time when, when wrestling tag teams was golden at the time, but the tag teams that you had, they still stood yeah. out. And also the man who probably had the greatest mustache in wrestling. Robinsdale Rock, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota crew. <laughs> um, go ahead. Um, who am I putting in next? Look, Randy Savage. Macho man Randy Savage has to make the list. I know... People will say, okay, there's some stuff that he did there in the 80s and stuff like that. And a lot of our viewers will remember him from the WWF times and the Intercontinental Run and Ricky Steamboat and George Steele and Tito Santana. And all but you're going to talk about Florida, right? I would allude to Florida and the work that he did there and, and tell our viewers, go and check it out. Um, this, this is a man who probably transcends decades because 
he had a he had the capability of reinventing himself literally weekly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. But he was he was incredible and a man that was taken away from the business too early in terms of being shoved onto commentary. But again, we're not talking about that kind of period. But absolutely brilliant. The stuff he did with Jerry Lawler in the Mid-South and, you know, his, his stuff down in Florida and all. I mean, the, the Poffos are legendary down there, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but I mean, Randy Macho Man Savage, you have to put him in there, don't you? Yeah, 100%. How can you not? Yeah. I've went with, um, I'm going to hand this over to you when I mention the name. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, well, what can you say about that? It's, you know, it's just to me, you know, a lot of people look at this guy and they talk about him that he didn't do the jobs and he didn't put the people over when he should and all that kind of things. But he created mainstream entertainment. He 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 lifted wrestling out of the Kearney situation and onto the mainstream. He made following pro wrestling cool. He he dragged stars in stuff he did with Rocky Tree to put it out there to get people to get eyes on wrestling. You know, WrestleMania, the match with Andre, the matches prior to that, the stuff he did with Paul Orndorff, winning the belt off Sheik. Like, it's just, these these are all very seminal moments in pro wrestling that led us along that pathway. Not necessarily to where we are today, but to where we were back then, if you like. You know what I mean? It kind of laid the foundation and the groundwork for what was going to roll out in the 90s. Um, and he was a big part of that. So, and absolutely, you know, when you say to people pro wrestling, who do they mention? Everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is. Even today, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, um, for me, it's, I mean, there's no doubt that he's in my, you know, in my top 10, purely because it's, it's really the one that brought me into the world of professional wrestling. Do you know what I mean? And made me as a kid go, wow, mm. that guy is like a, he was the first real life comic book hero, wasn't he? Yeah, if you um, if you're a pro wrestling fan in the '80s, everyone wanted to be a Hulkamaniac. Of course, of course, unless you're Jay and you were. Nah, you know, even Jay warrior. wanted to be a Hulkamaniac. He just won't admit it. Oh no, he'll never admit it. But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Hulk Hogan makes the list. I feel like I should have a pen every time we say that. <laughs> and a pad. <laughs> something going into the back here or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Down to me, is it? It's my turn again. You're next. You're next. This is one I don't think, I wouldn't think you have on your list. I have two here that I don't think you would have. Um, Nick Bockwinkle. He was this close. His, yeah. his work in the AWA particularly mm. stands out to me, especially his yeah. run near, near um, the end when he had that series of matches with Kurt Hennig when he wasn't mm. Mr. Perfect. He was just Kurt Hennig and they were wrestling for the mm. world title. Um, Nick Bockwinkle, good Lord, I went back and watched some of his matches, especially even some of the Calgary stuff that he'd done mm. up there with uh, with Archie Archie Goldie, the Stomper and all. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, you're not wrong for putting him on there. Yeah, I think that the, the run of matches he had with Vern Gagne, Hulk Hogan and Billy Robinson were unbelievable and stuff like that. And I also put him in because I always liked those little phrases that these old school guys come out with. And he turned around and he says, he would raise his arm in his sleep if he heard someone counting the two. <laughs> and I mean, that's just golden. That, that'll that tell you how, how much this guy believed in pro wrestling. You know what I mean? That statement puts him on the list straight away. 
<laughs> That's probably one of the best uh, statements of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I right, was listening just because of that. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. Beautiful. I've um, I've also we're getting into now crossovers. I've I've went with Savage. Okay. Because how can you not? Um, different kind of pro wrestler, more so. You know, we know the story about him now being such a paranoid android type guy and meticulous and. You know, he wouldn't be, you know, your Harley Racer, your Ric Flair, whatever we call him in the ring. Now, I'm sure he had the ability, but he obviously had so much paranoia about being a perfectionist that, you know, he had to, you know, know exactly what was going on at all times, which is not a bad thing. Um, but I'd say it would have been a nightmare to work with at times, to be fair. Stainbo um, talks about the full scap pad for WrestleMania 3 all the time. <laughs> Page 52, you know, like, it's like, what the hell am I like reading? Like, Jer- like Jericho's list of holes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, even worse. Um, but, you know, again, I talked about his stuff like, you know, you know, he actually, when we go out of WWE and we go back to where he, he, he basically worked himself into a shoot, what people thought was a shoot with Jerry Lawler when he worked in Florida, mm. you know, basically calling him out and, saying that he was a he was a bum and all this kind of stuff and like so much so that Jerry Lawler had to actually get him on you know on the Memphis TV circuit um you know he was just he was just made for WWE wasn't he I mean it's funny when you go back and you look at his debut as well when he first came in and he's got this wild cape on him and you're like what is this guy I think it was also Madison Square Garden wasn't it It was definitely his MSG debut it was one of those, they probably all looked the same back then because you just yeah. saw the Marlboro and the boys are logos all around the Hordens. Yeah. But um, Jesus Christ, I mean, you talked about a man reinventing himself as well. And I'm sure he'd probably be on um, on our top 10 in the 90s as well because he really did go yeah. into WWE and reinvented himself there as well. Yeah. Um, just a consummate professional wrestler and yeah. what a just what a joy. What the, the intensity of him. From bell to bell, and from you know start to finish in a promo. And I I always remember when he take off the shades, the eyes were just crazy. And also when he take off those headbands, the headbands that used to match the robes, and the hair would stay exactly yeah. where it was with the headband because the headband would have been on so tight that it took about five minutes into the match before the hair loosened up a bit from the headband mark. But uh, he used to have to spray. He used to have to spray <laughs> like his hair just to stay intact because he was so worried about going bald. And I mean that's a lad who had the worst. Tin and hair ever, and yeah, yeah <laughs> you fucking it stayed with him for the whole time. Whatever, yeah. whatever way he done it yeah. for anyone going bald out there that has long hair, just look at match match man around these and try and see if you yeah. can fucking replicate that. You'd be grand. <laughs> when you're seeing him with the hair cut, you always have to take a double take because it just didn't ah. look right. Sure, didn't it? Was like what the hell? It reminds me of Triple H now, but you still can't take Triple H with the hair cut. It just looks weird. No, <laughs> no, um, no, hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, great, um, great pick. So you're up next. Yeah, another man that I, I don't know whether you'd have on your list, but probably you, you, you would put him in there somewhere, you know. Bob Backlund. Yeah, another one that there. I looked at. Another one yeah. I looked at, yeah. I mean, obviously, he was a bit more boring than, than all of the, uh, the you know, to, to, to the everyday Joe. He was a mm-hmm. bit more boring. Um, obviously, he had great kind of programs with um with Bruno and stuff like that, you know, when they were, you know, actual contests. Mm, chic. Um Chic. Oh good lord, the stuff with Chic was was fantastic. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, I mean, look, Bob Backlund, I mean, even today, the lad can probably outdo anyone in a push-up contest and he's probably 150 years old, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, just a great worker. Didn't need, again, he was the white meat baby face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, didn't need anything, you know, other, mm-hmm. other than the fact that he was just a fantastic wrestler. Got to remind you of the Malenkos a little bit in that sense, wouldn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just straight mm-hmm. shooters, like. Yeah, also very, I mean, it, sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves for his, his part played in, in the birth of Hulkamania as well, you know, because it was him who yeah. sort of set up that Sheik Hogan thing, you know. Um, but also a man, like his mat wrestling was incredible as well, you know what I mean? And it's just... It was great that, it was great that he actually had, I only recently went mm. back and watched the kind of role and program that he had in 94 with Brett. Mm. Now, you know, the Survivor Series match wasn't great because they had so much stipulation on it, you know, and the yeah. I quit thing and all it was um it was very believable as a kid watching it, you know, as a mm. 10-year-old kind of going, geez, who's this psychopath in the fucking blue trunks? Yeah. yeah. Shitty looking boots coming yeah. in like taking belt off the hip, man. What is this? You know? Yeah. yeah. Only when you went back then and looked at his back catalogue of stuff and you were like, Good lord, this lab was serious, you know. Yeah, so I put him on my list. I definitely put him on my list. Um I just think somewhere on the list you, you can have the sorry the flamboyance of Hogan, the great or the flamboyance of Savage, the greatness of Hulkamania. You can have, you know, the unbelievable draw of Roddy Piper, all those different wrestlers. But I think somewhere on your list you have to have a guy who's just a wrestler. Um, yeah. And that's, that's why him. I include that's why I included Bob on Similar to Nick Buckwinkle as well, though. You know exactly. what I mean? Even yeah. though even though he had he had a lot more charisma and a lot more hmm. um, I suppose you know, one-liners and stuff like that. Yeah. Still a wrestler's wrestler. The same way, you know, Harley races. You'll, you'll notice the trend with the two of us anyway. It's it's 90% wrestling. Like. 100%. Well, we're talking the 80s, you know I mean? We're yeah. talking the 80s and a lot of it was that, you know? Yeah. I went with, speaking of wrestlers um, and having the total package, and no, it's not next Luger. Um, sorry, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> I put him over in my Halloween Havoc episode, though, so no one should think I have a problem with him. I went with uh, my dear friend and uh, yours now, Mister Magnum TA. Yeah, great choice. Um, I mean, this is this is the epitome of of an eighties wrestler, isn't he? Um, could have been, could have been anything he wanted to be, and would have been. Um, just. Good Lord, you know, looking at looking at his work in Florida, then in Crockett Promotions, obviously his relationship with Dusty was huge. But for anyone that hasn't seen it, there's some YouTube matches. And uh, I tried to say this to a couple of guys recently, including my very own coach, Mr. Tracy. Happy birthday to Paul Tracy today. Um, Shout out to the Lord of the Manor. Yeah, and everyone knows that Flair is his guy. And I remember like sending him a match a while back. <laughs> Going check this out with Magnum, and it was in one of those. Uh, it was in one of those stadiums when he used to do, do those cross promotions. Mm. Um, and my God, like the timing that that man had. When you think about what he told us with his story, how quick he picked that up. Like this is Kurt Angle level quickness of picking up a business mm. of sharks at that time. Absolute sharks. You know what I mean? He didn't have the protection of, you know, someone like Angle would have been. Protected protected and brought in as an asset you know what I mean and probably wrapped in cotton wool and be like right we're gonna we've got a real life Olympic champion here this guy was in with sharks that would eat you for dinner 
breakfast and lunch. Mm. And he just took to that. Like, like I've never seen anyone at that particular time. Mm. Um, yeah, one of the, you know, even in his short little kind of time within the business, you know, as he would probably tell you, it's a cup of coffee. Um, they all like that one back in the day. Um, just for me, absolute and, and amazing guy as well. Anyone that wants to go back and check out our previous episode, do mm-hmm. he's just uh, the, the biggest gentleman you'd ever meet. But uh, yeah. good lord, that lad! And you know, he was the epitome of. Uh, I would actually recommend anyone trying to be a babyface today go back and look at how he used to fire up, similar to Steamboat. You know, you'd see them do that. Come on, and they get the crowd, and the crowd would just pop. You know what I mean? It was like, this is our guy. Fucking yeah. get him. And Flair. Oh, <laughs> it was just his run with, I mean, look, his run with, with, with uh, Tully and Nikita are always going to be the, the, the big standouts. But um, just yeah. go and watch how he wrestled mm. Ric Flair, who was fucking seasoned at that time. The man. Mm. And he stands toe to toe with him and yeah, I mean, Flair said it himself, didn't he? And Jim Ross that he was he was the next guy. Yeah, you know, absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, who am I gonna pop in now? I I think I've only one left on the list that hasn't been mentioned, so I have to pop him in there. But I know he's yours and mine. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I mean, it's very hard when I go back and I look at the eighties and I look at Crocker Promotions and stuff like that. This guy was just unbelievable, but. He had some great he had some great friends around him at the time as well with the four horsemen and JJ Dillon. But but as a man, as a performer, as a heel, as a guy who wanted to live the lifestyle and show you what could be achieved and the fruits of his labor and all that kind of stuff. It's just incredible. I watched a promo of him there the other day. He was in a red polo shirt and he was in some nick. He was in serious oh. shape. And he popped, he popped out an old bicep pose out from underneath the sleeve of the red polo shirt and told Lex Luger to check it out. And that's a man with, and you know, this is Lex Luger who had, you know, arguably one of the best bodies in wrestling at the time, if not in history, um, in terms of the, the, the complete symmetry and package oh, that he had. Yeah, but Flair, yeah. like, what do we say about Flair? I mean, the guy could probably run down into an AEW ring right now, throw his jacket off, elbow dropping and get the biggest pop of the night, you know what I mean? He's Everywhere he's gone, he's carried the pop, he's carried the crowd. You know, he was a man who put bums in seats, you know, wrestling royalty, made a point of making everyone look brilliant while still winning on the way. Um, but you never you never stepped out of a Ric Flair ring becoming a lesser man. You're always greater for it. Um, yeah. 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 I'll, Everyone knows he's going to be on my list too, so I'll add my tupins in when it when it comes to him. Um, it's my turn to go to the crossover as well. Anyone that knows me knows that one of my favorite of all time in my top five is the rowdy one, Roddy Piper. Um, I love that man in every single way possible, like in in the sense of I love them outside of the ring, hearing the story. Um, another tragedy, my biggest regret as you know, is that you had a fucking ticket for me that you didn't yeah. even want money for, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to see his, his spoken word while he was here in Dublin and we had a prior engagement and it wasn't shortly 
wasn't long after that that he did pass and that actually you know what I mean that actually still haunts me a lot um, just to have shaken his hand one time would have been you know amazing but um, Roddy Piper I mean the original heel you know what I mean this guy was just born to fucking anger people mm. um, everyone knows he's in one of my favourite films of all time he turned into a great actor as well Um he was just, he was just the epitome. He was like the cult of personality. Do you know what I mean? This is, mm. when you look at the likes of CM Punk and all now, you'll see CM Punk, they say is like, Piper was my guy, you know? Mm. And you see the influence that he's had on some of the really standout people that then came from his character. You know, the likes of your Jericho's and mm. CM Punk's and stuff like that. He's, um, he's just, he was just fantastic. And see, the thing about it is a lot of people think he couldn't wrestle, but... It was actually a very, very good amateur wrestler as well. Mm. But um, he knew how to work a different style and make it different to anything that you've ever seen before. Um, I mean, arguably, some people will say one of his best matches is probably the one against Brett at, at, at seven or at eight, should I say, yeah, sorry. Eight, yeah. um, which I think he's often said it probably is up there as one of his just best matches, you know, pound for pound. Um, even when you look like he goes into it as a baby face but he can't help being a heel in it but then just cutting it off you know with the ring bell and be like oh and then he garners sympathy from the fans they're like well done he didn't hit him over the head with it you know and you got Bobby Heenan on commentary hit him hit him I'd do it give it to me I'll hit him that was one of the best lines ever <laughs> Bobby the brain Heenan give it to me I'll hit him for you Yeah, <laughs> just Roddy Piper I mean Good Lord, another one, rest in peace, gone way too, way too young. Uh, I hear his sons are doing pretty pretty decent in the indie scenes as well, yep. last I checked. Um, be great to see the Piper name continue on uh, mm-hmm. in the world of professional wrestling, but good Lord, Roddy Piper, he, he is literally the most unique wrestler of all time and one of a kind, I, and, and I mean the most unique. You know, yeah. it, it proved me wrong, I'd say that to anybody. Yeah, I, I describe him at times as a man who made me care about matches that I necessarily wouldn't have cared about. Yeah. Um, and that's how I describe him. Because when, when I think of Piper at times, I still think of him in the ring, cutting Adrian Adonis's hair and throwing it up in the air and everything and stuff like that. Matches that you necessarily wouldn't have cared about. But he brought that kind of angle to it and that kind of intensity and madness and stuff like that, that you said to yourself, you don't know what's going to happen here, so you have to tune into it, you know? But, so, yeah, but I mean, cool. like... If he was in today's society as well, he'd be the same. Even if he'd be still running this podcast, all this kind of cancel ideology and all that stuff. None of that's, none that of that's in his world. None of that's in his world. Like, get, yeah. get fucked, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, Roddy Piper. We're down to the final three here now. This is where it gets interesting because we could, uh, we, we definitely have some crossovers, but yeah, my, I mean, I had Steamboat in there, of course, and we, we spoke about him. So I mentioned Harley, Dusty, Rick, Road Warriors, Randy, Hulk. We, we spoke about Hulk, Bockwinkle and Backland. I, I, my, my 10 is more or less, I think I'm done. I'm down to honorable mentions. So it's it's what's left on your list, I think, because of the cross. Yeah. Well, I mean, I went with, I went with, I went with Flair and Harley as well, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and we talked about both of them but one that I had to mention that was always going to be in my list and I think you know who I'm going to say don't you mm. 
Absolutely. Um, a cert- certain man from uh, Wigan in Manchester. Yes. Yeah. Um, the thing about Dynamite, Dynamite is the man of a thousand holes. <laughs> yeah. Dynamite kid. I mean, you know, and this is this is purely we talked about wrestling and wrestlers, wrestlers. This guy makes it on merit because of a the solo stuff that he was doing in in, in Japan. With, with, I mean, I don't know if there's a better set of matches in the history of professional wrestling, I, I mentioned, you know, Flair and Steamboat, but I mean, that's on a, on a big scale, you know, with, with, but I mean, if you're just looking at it as a physical contest, hmm. is there a better set of matches ever, you know, that looked more legit than, than Tiger Mask and Dynamite? No. I don't believe so. No. Um, I don't believe so. As I said, horses for courses, hmm. you know, you're looking at the glitz and the glamour and the characters and stuff when it comes to, you know, Flare and steamboat, and you know, but good lord, just literally getting in there. I mean, this is a lad who would slap a fucking 12 year old kid mm. and they'd thank him for it, you know, mm. to be a heel over in Japan. Mm. Um, yeah, dynamite. I mean, well, you know what? People have always heard me talk about dynamite, and oil. actually, maybe, maybe I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. I, I'm gonna give you a little story about dynamite. Um, not necessarily about his career or anything like that. Last week, I was at home looking after dogs, as I do sometimes, and we had a bulldog in. And I said, when we have a bulldog in, you know what I got to do. So I was bringing the bulldog out for a walk and had the bulldog league. I think I sent you guys some videos on it in the group. Yeah. And uh, I was walking up the road with the bulldog. And because the, the avenue we're in is quite quiet, so you can kind of get away with things without looking crazy. And everyone knows when it comes to wrestling, I'm a big kid anyway. So yeah. I was walking the bulldog up the avenue. So I said to myself, I transported myself back to those WrestleManias and those, those Bulldog Foundation matches. So I was doing the entrance and I was imagining on the way up, I was dynamite. So I was walking like the Bulldogs with the toes pointed out and Matilda in front of me. Now his name was Fred. It wasn't Matilda, but I was calling him Matilda. It was Matilda on this day. And this was early morning now. This was half seven, eight o'clock. And I had the Bulldogs theme tune playing on the phone. And I was just envisioning myself walking out to the ring with the Bulldog. And on the way down, that's how I was doing Dynamite on the way up. And on the way back down the avenue, I was doing Davey Boy Smith. And I just thought, that that's my kind of little thing. Sometimes I throw out these little personal quiet on the side tributes where I teleport myself back to these guys. But Dynamite Kid, I mean, the, you know, he wasted himself away for our entertainment. You yeah. know what I mean? He, it was destructive the way he worked. Had an unbelievable physique. What a wrestler in, in terms of holes, in terms of intensity. You've never seen a snap suplex like it. A headbutt off the top rope um, and an intensity in a man that you know, looking at him, he could absolutely beat the piss out of anyone he wanted. Um, and, and that's how I describe him. I mean, forget about his, I mean, his ring work was unbelievable. He laid the, he laid the foundation for so many good wrestlers, people that sort of, I, I wouldn't say follow him, but I think they style themselves slightly on him. I mean, you know, you look, go back to Chris Benoit, you know, who was carbon copy at times, you know, even our own Finn Balor, when you look at his physique and you look at the way he works and the intensity in the moment and stuff like that, shades yeah, of dynamite through that all the time, you know, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So you see it, you know, you see these guys wrestling, you look at Pac, you look at Baller, we looked at Benoit, even in some respects, a little bit of Eddie Guerrero as well, Dean Malenko, you know, oh, all these guys were dropping. Very much go. All have little sections of dynamite in there, and that's the tribute. Even, really even Brett, to be fair, Noel. I mean, when yeah. you saw those headbutts, you know, obviously, and obviously, Brett and him were best friends, yeah. and obviously, he—that's how Brett learned to wrestle. Really, you know, getting the nose smashed up every night by dynamite. Yeah. But would you agree with what Brett said that he thinks pound for pound that dynamite's probably the best bell to bell in ring performer of all time? Um, maybe not of all time. Maybe not of all time, but certainly in the conversation without a shadow of a doubt. Certainly hard in the conversation argue. in the debate. Yeah, it's it's hard to turn around and say who's the absolute best. You know what I mean? Because you'll throw 10 names out there on the table and all 10 belong in the conversation. You know what I mean? But absolutely in the conversation without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's that's it. So let's let's get some of your honorable honorable mentions now, Noel. You can actually mention the honorable mentions for me because obviously I sent you a list earlier, and pretty much they were all on it. I will start off with saying Terry Funk it was very difficult for me to not have him in this list. Now people mm. would say Dory as well because again, I had conversations with Dory back in the day when I was uh, a young wannabe wrestler and. Mm. Uh, you know, they were invaluable and free. And I'm sure if his wife knew he was giving me this advice for free and not signing up to go over to fuck Pensacola, <laughs> <laughs> she would have fucking stabbed him in the neck. <laughs> and we wouldn't have a Dory anymore. But, you know, as, as the beef said, because the beef did go over and, you know, sit under the apple tree mm. and the learning tree with, uh, mm. with, with, with Dory Funk. So, but he was more 70s, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Terry, kind of younger brother, Terry Funk, I mean, again, in fact, I said it to you last week, you know, on the Magnum show, Dynamite himself said that Terry Funk was probably the best seller he's ever seen, ever. Yeah. When people talk about Shawn Michaels being a seller, mm. not a hope. He doesn't light a candle to mm. Terry Funk. Yeah. yeah. When, like, when, he when, could when, wrestle a broomstick, couldn't he? And yeah, make I, it look good. I, I think when people um, – think of Terry Funk, especially some of our viewers, because they will be of the younger vintage, let's say. They think of Terry Funk as being the explosions and the hardcore and the blood and guts and the Foley stuff and the deathmatch stuff and all that kind of stuff. When I think of Terry Funk, I think of his work with Ric Flair. Yeah, and Sting. And Sting and stuff like that. That's where I think of Terry Funk. And, you know, even even when you look at some of those um, documentaries on him and stuff like that, you know, where he's even lacing up the boots, even to this day, you know, for, you know, chicken feed or he's putting on a show for some charity or something like that and trying to raise a few bob for a local hospice or something like that. And, you know, you can see the excitement in him pulling on the old gear and, you know, people are nearly helping him putting the boots on and stuff like that. And then when he comes back, he can barely move off the chair and, you know, the, the, the people do be around him going, are you okay? Are you all right now? He's, me- uh, he's had more comeback tours than Kiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. anyone that's seen Beyond the Mat, when they yeah. look back at that one, that like really emotional one when he's saying forever, yeah. forever. Yeah. Like a little, um, a little side story that you know about Noel, and you've always wanted me to tell it. And I think maybe this is the perfect opportunity to tell it, right? About the the, the prank. Mm. So, Terry, um, did I ever tell this on the network? I don't believe so. Don't think so. Okay, so. There's one Paddy Morrow out there who will be watching this and going, 
So you're in this with me too, pal. <laughs> Paddy, uh, at a time when the internet was just starting, um, well, certainly for us here in Ireland, acquired a lot of wrestler, old school 80s wrestlers' phone numbers. Mm. And we would we would sometimes make calls. <laughs> and, as you do. Um, <laughs> as you do. Um, now, nine out of ten of them would, would just hang up on you. Like, I remember I tried to call Tito Santana. He was like, hey, Tito. And he just hung up. <laughs> I was like, shit, he's not fun. Arriba! But um, Terry Funk, um, you would never get him really you would always get we also had Stu Hart's number two which we fucking we got but uh, and I told you that story too but that, yeah. that, that'll be for a later date we're talking to Terry Funk here um, and this is a true story hand on heart may may I be struck dead you know tomorrow um, I was pissed one night and went back to the gaff and there was a few people there and it was on the handheld phone so people would the lads would have to put their their you know ears yeah. to the phone now, Paddy wasn't here for this one, but Paddy used to tell us he'd call Terry and he'd always get the wife. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, is Terry there? Oh, well, tell him it's Paddy from Ireland. Tell him to give me a call back. So, so she'd, be, she'd be like, some guy's calling you from Ireland, Paddy from Ireland. You know what I mean? And Terry's probably going, I don't know what that fucking egg sucker's doing. <laughs> <laughs> one day, as you remember in uh, Beyond the Map, he had his, that retirement match in the barn with Brett, mm. you know, because obviously Brett done him the favour and come down from WWE. And yeah. so I, uh, I used to have a fairly decent Brett impression. So I called one day and I was like, hello, uh, it's Brett here. I'm looking to speak to Terry. <laughs> and the wife answers, she goes, oh, my God, it's Brett. How are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was probably at the retirement match, right? <laughs> <laughs> just making it, making it up as I go along and she was like that's about right yeah and she's like Terry's up on the farm now because obviously he was a farmer in Amarillo and she goes I had literally about a five minute conversation in that accent going oh well, that's really great to talk to you you'd be great if you could get Terry to give me a call <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure Bret Hart somehow Got a call from fucking Terry Funk somewhere down the line. Come hey, Brad, I'm just calling you back. <laughs> I'm just what? calling back. Well, uh, Terry, I didn't call you, but it's good to hear from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> and I think that is a cool little story, wow. isn't it? Because it's, Definitely. you know, it was all fun. It wasn't done to, you know, yeah. to hurt anybody. And obviously Terry's lost his wife now. Yeah. Stuff like that, so probably make me out to be an asshole. But trust me, it was all—it was you know, young eighteen-year-olds that saw an opportunity and took it with a few beers. Yeah. Big, big shout out to that old crew. I have to say, Paddy Morrow, probably the greatest reenactment of the barbershop ever. Yeah, we'll keep that one QT, but it's true. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And Marty Janetti was involved. Yeah, one half was there, <laughs> and he wasn't the one going through the window for a change. <laughs> but absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, yeah, notable mentions. Um, who do we put in there? I mean, you have to put in most of the boys, if not all of them, from the Four Horsemen. Have to have a mention in there. Arn was Arn was Arn. on my list at one point, and then not, and then so was Tully. Mm. Um, Barry Windham was Barry also Windham have on the list. Very close to being. Now, you, I didn't really have Oli in the conversation just because fuck Oli. 
Um, yeah. but, but an amazing worker in his own right, too. Mm. Now, um, now I was, I was going to try a fast one on you, um, but you pulled me up on tag teams, but I felt... I felt Dusty needed to be on the list on his own for his body of work. But I was tempted to throw in the superpowers so Nikita got on the list. Um, Nikita was Nikita was literally on the list as well. And the yeah. thing was, and you saw that with the yeah. little kind of sheet of paper that I had written down. Yeah. Um, it was very difficult. Like, let me go back and look at that little sheet of paper. Um, Bruiser Brody. I mean, good yeah. Lord, when you talk about a different, larger than life kind of character. Yeah, he was going to be there, and um, of course, you know his arch nemesis Abdullah was such a huge star as well. Um, mm. Stan Hansen, you got to talk about um, Andre the Joint, and I know, I know Andre wasn't probably in his physical peak in the eighties because like it was what 80, 84, 83, um, when he when he was had his run with, with Hogan, he was more of a seventies guy, but but still, um, yeah, that was. That's pretty much all I can think about, you know, that that I didn't put on because I shortened it down to that. But I mean, like you say, if you're, you know, we could do this episode on the '80s tag team wrestlers, which I think we will. It, that should probably be the next episode, really. Yeah, well, I was um, I, I was actually going to say to you there, like uh, the Von Erichs, definitely. Oh, um, Jesus Christ, yeah. Who? Who? Jerry else? Lawler. Jerry Lawler himself. Yeah, Jerry Listen, Lawler. Yeah. Say what you want about Jerry Lawler. I mean, literally one of the most believable and mm. best wrestlers. I mean, he, he had, I think he had one of the best punches in wrestling. Did you? Yes, um, absolutely. I don't, Adrian Adonis, guys, watch, watch him, watch him punching. Jake the Snake. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Jake the Snake. Uh, it's very, very hard. I found it very hard to leave Jake out, actually. Yeah. Um, um, who, had, who else have I gotten there? Of course, the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton. Oh, well, look, all the tag teams, mm. all the tag teams. Like I said, the Heart Foundation, the Bulldogs, you know, mm. it, you know, the Rougeos, you know, you could have put them all in there. Although, actually, I take that back. Fuck the Rougeos. Um, you know, definitely the Rock and Roll and Midnight Express. Um, artists, just, mm. just so many. I mean, like, it's a who's who, really, Greg, isn't it? Greg you know, the Hammer. Greg the Hammer, Greg Valentine. Hammer Valentine, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Anyone that used to think that Hacksaw was just, and by the way, thoughts and prayers here from the Dynamo Podcast Network. For his recovery, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, man, like this. So Don Morocco, um, Junkyard Dog, goddammit. Like, Butch, Butch Reed. Butch Reed, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I can actually see now. Ah, now I'm looking in your background and I can see a few guys. Like, there you go, one man gang. I mean, what a very unique character. Bob Orton, Paul Orndorff. Mm. Like, yeah. 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 It's just, it, it, there's so many, so many to mention. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was what, what, a, what a decade for pro wrestling. And, and it's, it's such an amazing thing. You know, this is a pleasure for us to be able to just sit down. You know, we, we're bringing people content, but we're also bringing back some amazing memories in our heads. And hopefully, absolutely. You know, some of the fans that listen to it, uh, you know, get the same nostalgia when, when yeah. we're kind of giving our version of. And if you are listening, drop drop your tens into the comments, and even yeah. and even if you're a younger viewer and you're not sure, then get up off your backside and go back and watch eighties wrestling, and then drop your ten into the comments. Jimmy yeah. Valiant, God yeah. damn it, yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a name that probably a lot of people are like, I know the name, but I haven't seen his work. 
I would implore people to go and, and check his work out. I mean, like, as you say, any of these guys, I mean, you can go back and watch Starcade 83 and just like everybody on the on the on the on the marquee and on the on the team sheet is you know it's a who's who isn't it tommy rich oh forget about it (laughs) it's weird it's weird isn't it that the the more you bring out these names the more that it just like you know what i mean like you, you nearly feel like you've done some of these guys hard done boy you know that yeah, kind yeah. of way because to pick to pick to pick a to pick a ten from a list of, I mean between the two of us we could probably put together a list of a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> you know well, I mean? but that's that's a hundred, but that's 100%. and 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 none of them out of place. No, 100%. you know, like um, even the characters. If you're talking about characters of the eighties, yeah. then you're starting to bring in the Bundys and the mm. the George Animal Steels yeah. and, like I said, the Garvins, even, the Garvins, Ronnie and Jimmy Garvin. Jesus, yeah. you know, we spoke about Mag- Magnum oh, yeah. spoke to us about them, you know. The Garvins they brought the Garvins up unbelievable superstar Billy Graham, yeah. Incredible. But like Stan Hansen was actually one of my personal favorites as well. I believe it or not, even though I was into my te- technical wrestling, everyone that knows that. But Noel, you're one of the only few people that know that I love some of those brawlers. And like Stan Hansen and uh and Bruiser Brody in particular mm. are two of my absolute favorite workers you know i'm sure you were expecting brody on this one and to be fair it was really difficult to put him out but i was like with the list that we did pick it was like who who do you take out yeah for well, we haven't we had like tato santana rick martell oh. <laughs> oh jesus christ yeah do you know what i mean like, like people it's just, just a model but like yeah. good lord in awa another another guy i mean don't forget kurt hennig was was up and coming at that time in the AWA, as we said, with Nick Bockwinkle. Now, he only kind of got his major stardom on national TV in, what, 89, when he first came into the company. Mm. But, yeah, you know, and I'm just pulling this from my head the same way you were. It's yeah, like, boss, like, boss man. <laughs> you know, oh, before he was ever boss man. <laughs> trailer. Yeah, good Lord. Right. Uh, no, it's, it's uh, man, I had a lot of fun doing this one, I have to say. It was, um, it really brought me to a, a happy place. <laughs> yeah, we hope we hope when people listen to it and watch it that they they um take a look back, take a take a a trip down memory lane, as we say, back into the eighties and have a look at some of these guys and look at their work, look at their intensity, their love for the business. And you know, a lot of these guys weren't getting paid a lot of money. You know what I mean? No. The, like the the vast bulk of the money was circled around a certain few, and the other guys were earning a week's wages for traveling long, long distances. Um. Yeah. And putting themselves through it, you know. So definitely take a look back. The eighties was a very special time for pro wrestling. Very special, probably probably one of the most special times. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting how it evolves now when we start doing the nineties and the nineties and all, you know. And how nineties was another great great era in terms of mm. some of the work that we were seeing in the ring was was very pristine. But you know what I mean. Yeah. So mm. where and you it was know, the changing of the guard as well, wasn't it? Where the the, the, let's say that we call the smaller guys that weren't really small, but they they developed and got their opportunity through that time, you know. So yeah, that's going to be a very interesting one as well. Well, listen, my friend, a pleasure doing these as always. This has been Dynamo's dozen and the four Podmen's look back at the kings of the eighties, as we call them in pro wrestling, Definitely. through honorable mentions and through our top ten lists. Till next time, my friend. Pleasure.